We want to thank you for tuning in to the Underground Christian Network today. Our topic today is the Word Faith Movement. This movement goes by many different names. It's known as the Signs and Wonders Movement. It's known as the Word of Faith Movement. It's known as the Prosperity Doctrine. It's known as the Doctrine of the Born Again Jesus. It goes by many different names and titles. But what we want to do here today is we want to get to the bottom of this. This movement has come into Christianity like a flood and a lot of Christians have gotten caught up in it, and many of them don't realize what this movement is and where it's come from, and they often get deceived by the signs and wonders that this movement displays, and they think that these signs and wonders are from God. I think we need to take a look again and see what we're really dealing with here. In our world today, as I mentioned in my earlier message called the Bible Version Controversy Explained, also called the Bible Version Issue Explained, there's a movement going on in the religious world today known as the Ecumenical Movement. And the purpose of this movement is to try to unify Christianity with the other religions of the world by gradually watering down Christian doctrine and merging the teachings of other religions into Christianity under the guise that these new teachings, which are actually the teachings of other religions, are being passed off as being new revelation from God. It's actually not new revelation from God. It's old teachings from other religions that are being presented to Christians as being a new revelation from God. The leader behind this ecumenical movement is the Catholic Church. They seem to want to merge all the religions into themselves. When Pope John Paul was alive, he asked the religious leaders to gather together in Italy, and many of them came, and they called upon their gods before the Pope of Rome. And the born-again Christians didn't show up because they knew not to join any kind of world religious organization. Nonetheless, the ecumenical movement continues to trudge forward, and it's been using many different avenues to try to make inroads into Christianity. One of the inroads they've been trying to use is the new Bible versions. Many Christians don't realize that the King James Bible is translated from the traditional Hebrew and Greek Jewish manuscripts, while the new Bibles, all of them that have come into being since 1881, actually are translated from manuscripts that has ties and connections to the Catholic Church. So these new Bibles are integrating into their pages the teachings of other religions, and in some of the footnotes you'll find very pro-Catholic footnotes in some of these Bibles. They've gotten to the point where they've actually eliminated entire verses from the Bible, like Matthew 17:21, which should read, This kind come forth only through prayer and fasting. You'll find in many of the new Bibles that verse is gone. Matthew 18:11, For the Son of Man has come to save that which was lost. That verse is taken out of the majority of new Bibles and a whole bunch of others. What they've also done with these new Bibles is they have integrated the teachings of other religions little by little in a slow trickle with each new version that comes out. You'll have a version of the Christian Lord's Prayer in the book of Matthew, and then in the book of Luke chapter 11, you'll have the occultic version of the Lord's Prayer, which eliminates all the heavenly references, eliminates God's will being done, and also eliminates deliver us from evil. That's the occult version. So they mix the Christian with the profane, and they put it both into the same Bible. 
What I'm finding with this ecumenical movement and with the word faith movement is that they are doing the same thing. They are mixing the truth with the profane. We're going to cover this movement in a very unique way because what we've done is we've gone and we've gathered together a series of audios so that you'll be able to hear these men from their own mouths and women doing what they do and saying what they say. And I realized beforehand there are going to be some out there who are going to say that I'm taking them out of context. There are going to be some who are going to say that I'm misrepresenting them. There are some who are going to get mad at me for bringing this information out. Okay, Nonetheless, as best we can, we're going to try to back these audios up with the dates and places where they were done if you want to look them up. Some of these audios are available online for free at various websites for you to listen to them or watch them. And I want to say this too before we get started. If you're out there today and you've been burned by one of these TV ministers or radio ministers, I want to apologize on behalf of the ones of us who are truly Christians because these men and women, many of them are legitimate. There's quite a few that are not, but they all are claiming to be Christians. So the truth and the profane tends to get mixed together, and sometimes the innocent get caught up by following somebody who's claiming to be Christian when they're actually teaching something that's far from Christian. I began to wonder why it was that Christians fall for these new movements that come along, whether it's Brownsville or Toronto or Pensacola or Laughing Revival or all this stuff, and I began to come to the conclusion that part of the reason is because ministers are telling Christians that before the return of the Lord, there's supposed to be this great revival, but in second in Thessalonians 2, we are told there's going to be a great falling away, which is the opposite of revival. So since Christians are looking for revival, counterfeit revivals have come. And for that reason, we've put together this message to warn you about one of the biggest counterfeit revivals that's on the scene today, the Word Faith Movement. We have another movement here which professes to be Christian. But what is it really? The way to test it out is we have to look at its doctrines, and that's going to be the main focus that we deal with here today. One thing that has surprised me is that this word faith movement has been exposed around the world. Many of these uh, word faith teachers, mainly Benny Hinn, has been exposed by one news organization after another from Dateline to Inside Edition to HBO. They were exposed in Australia, England, Canada, and the United States. If you guys want some videos of these, we don't sell them, but they are available online for anybody who wants to get a hold of some of these. There's quite a few out there that really goes into a lot of background detail on these word faith guys, these so-called faith healers and, and all. One of them is called The Many Faces of Benny Hinn. It's a three-DVD set, and it's over six hours. And quite a bit of this is these, a series of uh, news investigations into what really goes on at Benny Hen Ministries. Are those people who are coming out of wheelchairs on TV really coming out of wheelchairs? Or did their hidden cameras catch these people walking into the arena in the first place and given wheelchairs and rolled down to the front? The people who are genuinely sick in wheelchairs, if they have one leg or they have one arm, or if they're genuinely sick or visibly sick, according to their own hidden cameras, and I've watched the videos, when these people try to make their way to the stage to be prayed for, Benny Hen's handlers, his screeners, his bodyguards stops them and tells them to take a seat or to pull over to the side if they're in a wheelchair and they're not allowed on the stage.
when you see these things on TV, everything has been polished and cleaned up and edited to make it look exactly the way they want you to see it. They present these men in the roles that they are given to play in this ecumenical movement that is going now under the name of Word Faith. So the title we gave this message might sound a little strange, uh, The Joker, the Guru, and the Jack of Spades. Let me explain to you why we named it this. It appears each of these men who are in this Word Faith movement has a role that they play. It all began with a man by the name of E.W. Kenyon a long time ago. And uh, a man by the name of Kenneth Hagen learned what he learned from E.W. Kenyon. He mastered E.W. Kenyon's teachings. Hagen then turned around and taught Kenneth Copeland. Now, Hagen I classify as the godfather. They call him Dad Hagen. I classify him as the godfather because he seemed to have manifested strange supernatural powers. If you want to see a video on some of his strange powers, there's one out there right now called uh, Kenneth Hagen and the Spirit of the Serpent. Now, I didn't name these, but that's the name that it was given. It's by uh, Paul Creek Ministries, uh, Dr. Joe Chambers. I've had opportunity to speak with him. Godly man, Christian man who truly loves the Christian people and is very concerned about these strange signs and wonders that are being manifested all around with these word faith guys. And he gets down to where this power comes from, and we're going to be covering that too when we get to the section on the anointing. Uh, another video out there is called The Spirit of Truth and the Spirit of Error. Uh, another is, now you might not like the title of this one, but nonetheless, it's called, Is Benny Hinn Possessed of Devils? Now, I know there are those out there that might get a little irritated by the title, but again, I didn't give it the titles. But what I would recommend is, if you can find them, watch them. Just watch it. See what's really going on. Because when you turn on your Christian radio station, when you turn on your Christian cable station, you are going to get a one-sided view of what's going on. Now, I'm going to explain to you why I've given these men nicknames. I'm not trying to put them down. I'm not attacking them. I could have used much worse names. I mean, I've seen some things these men have done that have made me so angry. But I choose instead to preach in love. But at the same time, I'm not going to compromise the faith. Anytime somebody speaks out against this group, they claim that the person is mean-spirited. They claim the person is attacking them. They claim that the person is you know, uh, used by the devil or something like that. And that's not where I'm coming from at all. I believe Christians have a right to know who these people are what power they're using, the teachings that they're using. These are not new revelations from God. These men are gradually preparing Christians to accept the teachings of other religions, whether it's New Age or Mormonism or the occult. They're bringing it all into the church, and I think it's time that Christians opened up their eyes and said, hold it a second, I don't see this in my Bible, therefore I'm not going to take it. I named this message the Joker, the Guru, and the Jack of Spades. Kenneth Hagen learned from E.W. Kenyon and mastered it. He had strange powers. When you get around Kenneth Hagen and he's under this so-called anointing, you lose control of your faculties. I've seen some video of this guy. Very scary stuff. The doctrines this man taught, you're going to hear some of it a little bit later on, are not 
scriptural. Now, he didn't always preach unscriptural stuff because you have to understand a lot of these word faith teachers, whether it be Kenneth Copeland, Benny Hinn, or some of the others, they will on occasion preach legitimate orthodox Christian messages. But it's when they throw in the extra-biblical, non-biblical stuff that the problems start. So, Hagen, I classify as the godfather. He's the one that got the ball and began to carry the ball for the word faith people. Kenneth Copeland learned from Hagen. Kenneth Copeland, I classify as the guru. He seems to be the one that the other word faith guys want to win the approval of. They want to be like Ken. Then there's Benny Hen. Benny Hen I classify as the mystic wizard. He's mastered the magical arts. He's mastered the Kondalini power, where he can wave his hand and knock over 30, 40, 50 rows of people and never touch them. People say, it's the Holy Ghost. Hold on a second. We're going to get to the anointing in a little bit, and you're going to find out where Benny Hen claims he gets his power from, and you're going to be shocked. It doesn't come from hours and hours of prayer on his knees. You're going to hear from his own mouth where he gets his power from, and you're going to be shocked. So Benny Hinn I classify as the mystic wizard. He's mastered the magical arts. He's a very smooth-talking individual. He knows how to pull on your emotions and make you laugh and drop your defenses by making you laugh, and then he'll drop a whopper on you, some strange doctrine, some strange teaching. Okay? Copeland seems to start it, and the other guys pick it up from Copeland and carry it out and put their own little twist to it. So we have the Godfather, Kenneth Hagin, Guru, Kenneth Copeland, the Mystic Wizard, Benny Hinn. There's the Joker. That's Rodney Howard Brown. His job is to make you laugh. The problem is he makes you laugh at the expense of the Bible. And what you're going to hear in a little bit is him doing just that. He makes people laugh uncontrollably, and he says, this is the power of the Holy Ghost. No, no, it's not. We've done research into the cults and the occult, and we've seen this power before. It's nothing new. Rajneesh, one of the men who are involved in the occult, is known for giving people so-called holy laughter. But he's not a Christian. Okay, this occult power is nothing new. But what's happening is most Christians have not done research in what other religions teach, so they're able to bring the teachings of other religions into Christianity and try to pass it off as being the Holy Ghost. We need to open our eyes and see, hold the second, this is not in my Bible. See, what they try to do is they take these unscriptural things and they'll put the word holy in front of it or Holy Ghost after it or they'll put the words in the spirit, in the name, things like slain in the spirit, glued to the floor in the spirit. They'll put the words in the spirit in there to try to make it sound like it's Christian. But it's not Christian. They'll say it's holy laughter. No, that's not in my Bible. Not the way these guys are talking about holy laughter. Getting a bunch of the people rolling on the floor laughing for, for no reason. This is not scriptural. But they're taking these unscriptural things, they're bringing it into Christianity, and they're trying to pass it all off as being a new move of the Holy Spirit, when actually it's an old move from other religions, and they're trying to get we who are Christians to accept it. And the sad part is, I turn on my television, and I look at these crusades, and the places are jam-packed with Christians who only want to get a touch from God, and they don't realize that they're being deceived by these men who have mastered the art of other religions, bringing these teachings in, and at the same time, time they are making merchandise out of the Lord's 
people. The word faith movement reminds me quite a bit about the story of the prophet in the book of 1 Kings. God had sent a prophet and gave this prophet his word as to what he was supposed to do. The prophet knew the word of God. He went and he prophesied over an altar and his prophecy came true right down to the letter. The prophet was told not to eat or drink in that town but to leave out in a different way that he came in after he prophesied. On his way out, he decided to stop. When he had stopped, he was approached by a man who claimed that he had a new revelation, that an angel had came to him and told him that it was okay for him to eat and drink in this town. And he believed the false teacher. And because he believed the false teacher and rebelled against the word of God, it ended up costing him his life, while all the while the man who deceived him played the part of being some kind of holy, righteous man, even holding the funeral for the man that he had set up, looking all pious and holy in front of the other people. Now, I find a unique similarity between this story and what the word faith people are doing. We have Christians out here who have the word of God. We have our Bible. But these guys have come along with new revelation. And they're saying they're hearing it from spirits. The Holy Spirit, they would tend to say. Or the anointing. And they're getting you to get away from the Word of God, the written Word, to follow after some man or some woman who comes along claiming they've heard something different from God that goes far beyond what the Bible actually says. And if you follow these men you will end up the same way as the man of God in the story ended up. He befriended this man, ate with the man, drank with the man. All the while, the false prophet was setting him up for his own destruction. I find it very similar in the word faith movement that that is what they are doing to Christians today. Christians are being set up one after another, one minister after another, one movement after another, and Christians get lured into it. They get seduced. They get made merchandise out of. They get their money sent into these people hoping for some kind of answer to prayer or some kind of move from God. You don't have to buy God off. You don't have to pay some minister to get a healing from God or to get a financial blessing from God. Why are you believing that if you send money to one of these guys that for some reason God's going to bless you because you send them money? Do they have a track record of being honest, holy men of God? Keep listening to this message and you're going to hear what these men have to say in the section on the anointing. I'm trying to warn Christians about this, and I know there are going to be some who are going to knuckle down, and they're going to dig their feet in, and they're going to say, I don't care, I, I like this guy, or, or this guy did this, or he did that, or he touched me and I fell over, or, or I felt this, or I felt that. I hope we'll get beyond emotions and get back to the Word of God. That's where we need to be. When people ask me, what do I think of the word faith movement now that I've done research into it, what do I think it is? I say this movement is nothing more and nothing less than a cult. Now, there are going to be some who are going to take offense. Some of you are probably gasped. Oh, let me explain why. 
there are certain identifying markers to a cult. First of all, cults have unaccountable leaders. Leaders at the top who are not accountable to anybody for what they say or what they do. Can somebody tell me who Benny Hinn is accountable to? Who is Paul Crouch accountable to? Who does he have to answer to? Who does Kenneth Copeland have to answer to? Who does these other word faith teachers have to answer to for the things they say and do? Each other? Well, it's easy to answer to each other being that they all agree with each other. Okay? When they teach something that's not scriptural, there is no higher authority that they go to that puts them in check. Another sign of a cult. They misrepresent Jesus Christ. You're going to find the word faith movement has presented the world with a different Jesus. A Jesus that was rich. A Jesus that wore designer clothes. A Jesus that had to be tormented in the pit of hell for three days and three nights in order to gain your salvation. A Jesus that promises you health and wealth if you'll believe in him. This is not the Jesus of the Bible. And again, I'm going to back it up with actual audios from these guys so you can hear exactly what it is that they teach. Cults will use threats and intimidation to stop anybody from getting down to the bottom line of what they're really all about. And you're going to find the word faith movement is no different. They use threats. They use all kinds of techniques and tactics to try to keep people quiet so that what's really going on does not come to the top. Cults are not satisfied using the Bible only. You will find the word faith movement is the same way. They depend on voices they hear in their ears. They say it's the Holy Ghost. They'll say it's the Spirit. They'll say it's the anointing. Various different words that they use. But oftentimes when these voices are speaking to them, they're telling them unscriptural things. We must test the spirits to see if they be of God. We can't just accept it because somebody that we like on television or we like on the radio says it. We can't be so blind as to just accept whatever these men or women say. We must test the spirits. Don't let them intimidate you and tell you don't touch the Lord's anointed. We need to test and see if they really are the Lord's anointed. Another sign of a cult is a mixture of doctrines. You'll find that cults usually consist of a charismatic leader at the top who has taken a little bit of the teachings from this group and a little bit of the teachings of this group and mixed them together with his own unique interpretation of the Bible and then, voila, you've got a following of people and a brand new cult. And another thing a cult has is the martyr complex. They always feel like somebody's out to get them. Now, the word faith movement takes the martyr complex to a whole new level. You see, when somebody comes out and exposes what the word faith guys are doing, if they come out with a book where they're simply quoting what these men say, or they come out with a video where they're showing you what these people are saying and doing, they get the martyr complex. Oh, we must be doing something right because they're attacking us. Therefore, we're going to have a fundraiser. That's their technique. They will take somebody who exposes them and says, see, we must be doing something right. And because we're doing something right, we need you to send some money to us so that we can keep doing what we're doing. Isn't that interesting? So, 
We're going to jump right now into the Word Faith Movement. We're going to describe what it is, what it's a combination of. We're going to get into the anointing, where these men get their power from. And we're going to get into the audio so that you can hear what's going on. Let's get into it right now. Now, I've mentioned that this Word Faith Movement is a combination of a series of religions that are thrown together, mixed together, and being presented to Christians as being new revelation from God. The religions that I've been able to notice that they are mixing is Roman Catholicism, Mormonism, New Age mysticism and occultism, and Gnosticism. Now at the Underground Christian Network we believe in keeping things as simple as possible. So we're going to explain each of these and then back it up with actual audio from these men teaching what sounds very much to me like these very doctrines from these other religions, but at the same time trying to pass these off as being new revelations from God. I said this group contains what sounds to me like Mormonism. Mormonism teaches that God is a man who lives on a planet similar to Earth, that men can become gods, and in the early days of Mormonism, their prophet, Brigham Young, taught that Adam was God. Now we're going to go to the guru, Kenneth Copeland, and we're going to see if what he's teaching sounds very much like Mormonism. In the Mormon book, Journal of Discourses, Volume 1, page 50, the Mormon prophet says these words, Now hear it, O inhabitants of the earth, Jew and Gentile, Satan, sinner, when our father Adam came into the Garden of Eden, he came into it with a celestial body and brought Eve, one of his wives, with him. He helped make and organize this world. He is Michael, the archangel, the ancient of days, about whom holy men have written and spoken. He is our father and our God and the only God with whom we have to do. That's what Brigham Young, Mormon leader, said. Let's take a listen to Kenneth Copeland to see if he's teaching something that sounds very much like Adam being God in the flesh. God's reason for creating Adam was his desire to reproduce himself. I mean a reproduction of himself. And in the Garden of Eden, he did that. He was not a little like God. He was not almost like God. He was not um, subordinate to God even. Now this is hard on the human mind, but I'm telling you what the Bible said. The Bible said, let us make man in our image and give him dominion. Kenneth Copeland, the guru, then goes on, to say this concerning Adam. Are you hearing what I'm saying? This is all a copy. It's a copy of home. It's a copy of the mother planets. Where God lives, he made a little one just like his and put us on it. And Adam is as much like God as you could get. 
just the same as Jesus when he came into the earth. He said, if you've seen me, you've seen the Father. He wasn't a lot like God. He's God manifested in the flesh. And I want you to know something. Adam in the Garden of Eden was God manifested in the flesh. He was God's very image, the very likeness. Everything he did, everything he said, every move he made was the very image of Almighty God. Now, for those who may think I may have taken him out of context or added to his words or something, that audio is found on a Kenneth Copeland tape called Following the Faith of Abraham, Side 1. Following the Faith of Abraham, Side 1, from uh, 1989. I believe the audio tape number is 01-3001. Now, there's a part in the middle where he also teaches a little bit more with what sounds like Mormonism, and we're going to cover that when we get to another teaching of Mormonism. As of right now, we're going to cover a couple of more where he's talking about Adam as God. You see, Adam was walking as a god. Adam walked in the God's class. Adam did things in the class of God's. Hallelujah. When what he said went, what he did counted. And what he, when he said and when he acted on the fact that and bowed his knee to Satan and put Satan up above him, then there wasn't anything God could do about it because a God had placed him there. But in doing so, he bowed his knee to his enemy, to God's enemy and his, Satan, and the nature of Satan then was lodged in his spirit forever, unless God could do something about it because man could not. Why couldn't he? I thought you said he was a god. He was created in the god class, but when he committed high treason, he fell below the god class. Now, I hope that'll be enough there to make the point that he's teaching something that sounds very much like Mormonism, the Adam-God doctrine that they used to teach. Now, not to be outdone, Benny Hen likes to go above and beyond what the other people teach. He wants to exceed the master, so to speak. So he comes up with his own stories about Adam, the super-being. Adam was a super-being when God created him. I don't know whether people even know this, but he was the first superman that really ever lived. First of all, the scriptures declare clearly that he had dominion over the fowls of the air, the fish of the sea, which means he used to fly. Whoa. Well, of course. How can you have dominion over the birds and not be able to do what they do? Whoa. And I mean, wait a minute. I, wait a minute. I'll prove it to you. Wait a minute. Danny. I've never heard that. The word dominion yes. in the Hebrew clearly declares that if you have dominion over a subject, that you do everything that subject does. In other words, that subject, if it does something you, you cannot do, you don't have dominion over it. I'll prove it further. Adam not only flew, he flew to space. He used to be, he, 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 he was, with one thought, he'd be on the moon. Okay, let's get this straight now. He claims that the Hebrew clearly declares that if you have dominion, that you can do anything that the thing you have dominion can do. So he chooses flying. Well, there's other things birds do. Uh, did he eat worms as well? Did he grow feathers? Did he lay eggs? I mean, after all, Benny Hinn said he could do anything that you have dominion over. You should be able to do whatever they do. Do you see the 
illogicalness of his statement. Nonetheless, you learn Ken of Copeland's the guru. He starts the wheel rolling. The other guys picks up the ball and adds their own little spin to it. More Mormon-sounding doctrine that's coming out of the word faith movement is this concept of God living on a planet similar to Earth. This recording is also found on the very same tape following the Faith of Abraham, side one. Take a listen to this from the guru, Tim Cole. You don't think Earth was first, do you? Huh? Well, you don't think that God made man in his image and then made Earth in some other image. There's not anything under this whole sun that's new. Are you hearing what I'm saying? This is all a copy. It's a copy of home. It's a copy of the mother planets. Where God lives, he made a little one just like his and put us on it. And Adam is as much like God as you could get. Just the same as Jesus, when he came into the earth, he said, if you've seen me, you've seen the Father. He wasn't a lot like God. He's God manifested in the flesh. And I want you to know something. Adam in the Garden of Eden was God manifested in the flesh. He was God's very image, the very likeness. Everything he did, everything he said, every move he made was the very image of Almighty God. And also from his cassette called Spirit, Soul, and Body... 1985, audio tape number 01-0601, side 01. He had to say this concerning heaven. You read the Bible's account of heaven. It goes into detail about the way some of them are dressed. And I'll tell you right now, they're not dressed anything like you think they are. And they're certainly not floating around on clouds picking guitars and growing wings. It doesn't work that way. The heaven has a north and a south and an east and a west. Consequently, it must be a planet. I don't know why God would make the thing square. There's a city on it that's square, but it, resi it resides on a place, and people live there quite well. In fact, it's something else. <laughs> Are you following along what I'm saying to you now? And if, you, and if you know anything about your Bible, you know what I'm telling you is true. When you begin to hear it all put in line, the thing makes some sense, doesn't it? Continuing on with the pattern of spreading what seems like Mormonism, you have the guru teaching that God stands about six feet tall. Take a listen to this. The Bible said he measured the heavens with a nine-inch span. Now, the span is the difference, the distance between the end of the thumb and the end of the little finger. And, and that Bible said, in fact, the Amplified Translation translates the Hebrew text that way, that he measured out the heavens with a nine-inch span. Well, I got a ruler and measured mine, and my span's eight and three-quarter inches long. So now God's span is a quarter of inch and a quarter inch longer than mine. So you see, that faith didn't come billowing out of some giant monster somewhere. It came out of the heart of a being that is very uncanny the way he's very much like you and me. A being that stands somewhere around 6'2", six, 6'3", six, that weighs somewhere in the neighborhood of a couple hundred pounds, a little better, has a span of eight and 
I mean at nine inches across, stood up and said, Light be! And this universe situated itself and went into motion. Glory to God. So there you have it right there, Kenneth Copeland teaching that the earth is just a copy that God lives on a planet similar to our own. Another teaching that Mormonism teaches is that men become gods, and the word faith movement has jumped onto this one with both feet. You're going to be hearing from the guru, Kenneth Copeland. You'll be hearing from the mystic wizard, Benny Hinn. You'll also be hearing from the jack of spades. He is Paul Crouch, the owner of Trinity Broadcasting. I'll explain a little bit later why I classify him as the jack of spades. So remember, the guru starts it off first, and the others pick up the ball. Here's Copeland. Now, really, disease has had its authority broken. It doesn't have any more right to stand up in front of you in Jesus' name than it had to stand in front of Jesus when you're standing there in the flesh. Because you want me to tell you something? You are Jesus in the flesh. And take a listen to this next audio as the guru seems to equate himself with the authority of Jesus Christ. He am healing. He am deliverance. Um, financial prosperity, mental prosperity, physical prosperity, family prosperity. It's terrible grammar, but you understand what I'm saying. I'm saying it to affect my mind. He am whatever he has to be. Because he said he'd meet my needs according to his riches and glory by Christ Jesus. And I'm walking around saying, yeah, my needs are met according to his riches and glory by Christ Jesus. Glory to God. I'm covenanting to the need maker. I'm covenanting to the need meter. I'm covenanting to the with all respect so that it don't upset you too bad. But I say it anyway. When I read in the Bible where he says, I am, I just smile and say, yes, I am too. Well, let's see. Let's put that to the test. Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. Is Kenneth Copeland the way, the truth, and the life? Jesus said, I am the good shepherd. Is Kenneth Copeland the good shepherd? Jesus said, unless you believe that I am, you shall die in your sins. I don't think these I am's fit you, uh, Mr. Copeland. The mystic wizard Benny Hinn takes it a step higher by saying not only are we gods, but we are messiahs. Listen to this. God came from heaven, became a man, made man into little God, went back to heaven as man. He faces the Father as a man. I say devil is the son of God. When I say it like this, you are the little God on earth running around. When you say I'm a Christian, you're saying I am Mashiach in the Hebrew. I'm a little Messiah walking on earth, in other words. Now next up we have the guru along with the Jack of Spades live on Trinity Broadcasting Network as they continue to push this concept that they are gods. Here's Paul Crouch. He doesn't even draw a distinction between himself and Never, him. never. You never can do that in a covenant relationship. Do you know what else that's settled then tonight? This hue and cry and controversy that has been spawned by the devils to try and bring dissension within the body of Christ that we're gods. I am a little god. Yes. Yes. I have his name. I'm one with him. I'm in covenant relation. I am a little god. Critics, you are anything that he is. Yes. 
Now, as I mentioned, Copeland, the guru, starts the ball rolling. The other guys pick up the ball and runs with it and adds their little bits to it. The next one is an audio from John Avanzini. John, come on up here. Come on, John Avanzini. One second. I want you to tell me what you hear the Spirit of God saying this morning. Tell me. What the Spirit of God is saying. What you hear the Spirit of God saying this morning. That it's being declared in the earth today what the eternal purpose of God has been through the ages and it's coming clearly now to God's people that he is duplicating himself in the earth. Now this teaching of men becoming gods, like I say, it's right out of Mormonism, it's right out of the New Age movement. And these people are bringing this concept over into Christianity and trying to portray this as being a new move from God. We must not be deceived. Men cannot be gods. There's only one true God according to the scriptures. So if anyone's claiming to be a god, by default they must be a false god. We can't say we're little gods or kind of like God. There's only one true God. Just one. So we need to set aside these other concepts and get back to the scriptures. Now, as I mentioned, these movements are trying to merge Christianity with the teachings of other religions. And what we're going to find is one of the other religions that they're trying to merge Christianity with is the Catholic Church. What you're about to hear is an audio right from Trinity Broadcasting Network. You're going to have the mystic wizard, Benny Hinn, along with the Jack of Spades, Paul Crouch, and they're going to be promoting the Roman Catholic Mass right there on Trinity Broadcasting Network. Now, they're trying to pass this off as being the Christian communion, but it's not the communion they're talking about because you're going to hear the mystic wizard, Benny Hinn, talking about the bread becomes the literal body of Jesus Christ. That is a doctrine right out of Catholicism. They're also going to use the term transubstantiation, which is a term used in Catholicism for the bread becoming the literal body of Jesus Christ and the wine becoming the literal blood. So I want you all to listen very closely as these two are working together trying to merge Catholicism into Christianity by promoting the Catholic Mass right there on Trinity Broadcasting Network. Jesus is in the communion. And I said to him, and I said, you know, I think, I don't think he cares. He said, but I always, when you take it, you're eating my body. That's what he said. We can't change what Jesus said. But see, the, the heretic hunters get in there and we argue um, well, over yes, the doctrine. They had a transubstantiation. Exactly. It's a matter of faith. Yes. Simplicity. Not doctrine theology. Yes. That's sick stuff. I hate to tell you that. Let her tell well, you. I have Catholics in my service. I'm an, I'm going to have a good one. Yeah. Because they, they believe in miracles. The word of God. They believe in miracles. But you know what? You know what? I think what he did is he took bread. He took his flesh, in a sense, and turned it into bread, which is the most common food. Every culture, every society in the world has a form of bread. So he made his body become Therefore, when we take this bread, we are eating the body of Jesus. 
Yeah. Now, I want you all to notice the use of the term heretic hunter. This is one of those buzzwords they use on TBN to attack anybody who dares oppose what they do. But if you doubt that there's a connection between the Roman Catholic Church and Trinity Broadcasting Network, take a listen to this. You know who's actually here in Denver, Colorado right now? Pope John Paul II. And what's so cool is the fact that he flew in just a while ago, and he is uh, here being greeted. He was greeted by the President of the United States, Mr. Bill Clinton. And they both flew in, and just a little while ago, just a little while ago, both of them flew right over top of the concert in uh, Air Force Navy helicopters side-by-side. Side. It was cool. One of the greatest events that's happening right here in Denver, Colorado is His Holiness Pope John Paul II right behind us here. And uh, what we're doing here is a big festival that have been uh, sponsored by the Vatican, the Catholic Church, and and, McDon yeah, and McDonald's. And uh, actually, TBN was a co-sponsor of this event also, the World Youth Day Music Festival. So here we have a direct connection between Trinity Broadcasting and the Roman Catholic Church. So now you're getting some idea as to what's really going on, why the Word Faith Movement has chosen that particular channel to spread this ecumenical merging together of the religions, religious thought, and at the same time, they persecute, they attack anybody who dares speak out against what they do by classifying them as heresy hunters. So I hope your eyes are beginning to come open as to what Trinity Broadcasting Network is really all about. Let's continue. And to close off this section, we're going to finish it off with the movement that is trying to invade Christianity through the word faith movement, and that is the New Age movement. Now, in the New Age movement, they talk about astral projection, which is where you can have your spirit leave your body and go do things. They uh, also call it remote viewing. They call it out-of-body experiences. Well, I want you to listen to the guru, Kenneth Copeland, as he is promoting this very concept on his program and I want you to note also that he's implying that God is encouraging him to do this and he also implies that Paul the Apostle also exercises using astral projection. Take a listen to this audio. The microphone was standing on a, uh, a mic stand out in the middle of the platform and I'm standing back over there behind the curtain and, I, and, and my body was so itchy and so tired my knees would hardly hold me up. And I'm standing there going like this, and the, that emptiness sensation started taking place inside me. I have ever felt in my life. And suddenly I began to be aware that my body, that my spirit is coming out of my body. And, I, and it, it scared me, and, and I, man, I, I grabbed hold of it with my will, and wouldn't let it go. He said the day you were down there in such and such town, standing over there behind that curtain, and your spirit started coming out of your body, and you jerked back like that, and thought you was dying, and you let fear get hold of you, and I remember that did. I said, well, God, I mean, <laughs> really, now, is this what kind of a horse do you think I am? That they're not going to, you know, at least give you a few chills to stand there and die. He said, you aren't dying. 
one dime. My strength was coming out of my body. He said, that's right. You were fixing it. He said, you were just about to come out of your body, and I was going to allow you to minister to that congregation without your body. You were going to go through that congregation like a whirlwind of the power and the glory of God. I said, you let's show me that in the scripture. He said, and he showed me Second Corinthians chapter 1, 2, 3, 4, 5, and 6. The Apostle Paul said, I bear, I carry around with me the dying in my body for you, that the life of God might be manifest in my mortal flesh. He said, the one that raised Jesus from the dead is in me, and he will make alive your mortal body. He said, you missed that opportunity for that experience. I said, what was I going to do? He said, I'm not going to tell you. You missed it. Can I have a second chance? <laughs> he said, you walk with me. I'm on teaching and training about the glory. Now, this is clearly teaching astral projection, and he's implying that he's having a conversation with God, and God is encouraging him to do this. This is not a Christian doctrine. You can find it nowhere in the Bible. And you notice he could not pin down a chapter and verse, so he just throws at you a bunch of chapters. He also tries to soften you up by tossing some humor in there. Always be looking for the humor button to get pushed when they're trying to drop a big whopper on you. Don't fall for this. This is a new age teaching that he's trying to spread with that audio. Don't fall for it. You stick with the Word of God, and don't go beyond what the Scripture says. You can never go wrong going that way. In this next audio, he's going to be promoting another New Age concept known as visualization. And he's going to admit that this is that New Age stuff, but he's going to try to downplay it. Take a listen. You don't even think in words. Words create pictures, and pictures in your mind create words, and then the words come back out your mouth. This is a matter of the mouth and the spirit. We talked about that. You can't believe one thing in your heart and say something else with your mouth. You can't say one thing in your mouth and say and believe something else in your heart. Now, you can put some kind of a mental confession in your mouth that Jesus said of the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaks, and that's when the action takes place. Because that's when the spiritual force is brought up out of the mouth, whether it be fear or whether it be faith. And when that spiritual force comes out, it is going to give substance to the image that's on the inside of you. Oh, that's that visualization stuff. Oh, that's that new age. No, new age is trying to do this. And they get somewhat results out of it because this is a spiritual law, brother. Precious Christian friends. Don't fall for this, folks. This is New Age philosophies being brought over into Christianity. You don't want to get caught up into this. And one more philosophy that is spread in this group is a philosophy known as Gnosticism. I feel that it's very important that I issue a warning to my Christian brothers and sisters that as of late, the Gnostic winds have been picking up. Gnosticism is a mindset of people who believe that they are smarter than everyone else, that they are better than everyone else, that they have more enlightenment than everyone else, that they are somehow holders of secret knowledge, secret information. And the people in this word-faith movement have this kind of mindset. They feel the Bible in, by itself is not good enough. they got to have some outside source 
to interpret the scriptures. Therefore, you'll hear them saying, the Spirit says to me, the Lord says to me, I'm getting this anointing, so forth or so on. There's always got to be some kind of outside source that's giving them this information. And this mindset is going to be coming through. You've heard it in some of the audios already, where just before they drop a whopper, or as they're dropping a whopper, or just after they drop a whopper, they'll try to make some kind of statement to try to make you feel small. Sort of like, this might be a little hard for the mind to understand, or, you know, your mind may not understand, but your heart will, or, uh, you know, hear it, hear it, or some kind of of saying or expression that they would use to try to lead you to believe that they are somehow tapped in to a higher form of enlightenment and we're just not quite there. We just can't quite get it. Be on the lookout also for Gnostic manuscripts that are popping up like the so-called Gospel of Judas where they're claiming Jesus is secretly giving information to people. Be on the lookout for those because there is a constant move to try to debunk the King James Bible and to try to debunk Christianity by coming up with these weird manuscripts. And usually these manuscripts are from the Gnostics where they're claiming that there is some secret knowledge, some secret information that they would not allow into the Bible. You know, beware of this so-called 616 manuscript where they're trying to say the Mark of the Beast is not really 666 but 616 and they base it on a manuscript they found in a garbage dump in Egypt. Be careful. The Gnostic winds are blowing. Beware of this Da Vinci Code, another fraud and attack against our faith, straight out of the lines of the Gnostics. While promoting a book called Heresy Hunter on Trinity Broadcasting Network, one of the speakers there decided to show his Gnostic side for anybody who's against the word faith movement, and he implies that we're too stupid to understand what they're talking about. This is really one of the number one issues in the church today. The church is squared off. The heresy hunters are vehemently trying to destroy people. What happens if you take Benny Hinn, Kenneth Copeland, uh, a lot of the the ministries and take them out of the church, there's going to be a tremendous vacuum, and I don't believe anybody has proven that they're guilty of heresy. Those heresy yeah. hunters don't have the brain power to prove that either. Say, say that again. You're I, right said those, I said those heresy hunters do not have the brain power to prove that Benny Hinn and Kenneth Copeland and Kenneth Hagan are heretics. They lack the intellectual prowess necessary to do that. Well, they can't do that. At least they haven't done it. My point they don't have they, the power in their head to they, do that. They haven't done it. Uh, now, i got to say, listening to this, you can hear the arrogance that they feel that anybody who doesn't agree with them doesn't have the brain power to figure it out. Well, I'm hoping that this message will help people to understand exactly who these people are. They think you're too dumb to figure out what they're doing. This is amazing. But I tell you what... We don't believe you're dumb here at the Underground Christian Network, and that's why we take the time out to put these messages together. We believe people are smart enough that if they're given the information, they'll take it and they'll run with it and they'll know what to do with it. He asked the question, what do we do if Kenneth Copeland is taken off? If Benny Hinn is taken off, I think we'd be better off because these men are spreading confusion in the church, and we don't need men spreading confusion in the church. We don't need men or women coming on the scene who are teaching things that go far beyond what the Bible says. We need to get back to the King James Bible. 
get back to what it says and stop going beyond the Bible and then attacking people who dare come forward and say, you guys have crossed the line, you stepped over the line, and it's time we get back to the Word of God. And these people out there that are teaching these things, you may ask yourself, where are they getting this information from? Well, according to them, they get it from what they call the anointing. So we're going to go into section two right now. The word faith movement and their anointing. What it does to them, what it makes them say, and what it makes them do. Some of you are going to be very shocked at what you're about to hear. So stay tuned to the Underground Christian Network. In this section, we're going to be dealing with the word faith movement, and we're going to be dealing with where do they get their power from. Many of you may have tuned into a Benny Hinn show, and you've seen him stand there on the stage during the healing portion, and you would see him touch people and they fall. But on many occasions, he doesn't even touch them and they fall. He can wave his hand and knock over rows of people without ever touching them. He can scratch out his hand and emit a force from his hands that knocks people over. I've seen him wave his jacket and knock people over. In other cases, like the Brownsville Revival or the so-called Pensacola Blessing or the Toronto so-called Blessing, all kinds of strange manifestations, people barking, people howling, people waving their arms like they're bird wings, uh, all kinds of weird, strange manifestations, and they're trying to tell us that these weird, strange movements are all manifestations of the Holy Ghost. The Bible says to test the spirits to see if they be of God. So let's put these spirits to the test to see if these actually are the Holy Spirit or if it's another power at work. Open up your King James Bible to the book of Galatians chapter 5 and let's find out what the fruit of the Spirit is according to the Word of God. We're going to start at verse 22. But the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, long-suffering, gentleness, goodness, faith, meekness, temperance. Against such there is no law. Temperance is self-control. Very important. I want to play for you an audio, a couple of them, from Benny Hinn as he describes the anointing that he has. And I want you to simply listen to what he says. And measure that by what I just read from the Word of God. The Word of God says, The fruit of the Spirit is temperance, self-control. See if what Benny Hinn is describing sounds like the Holy Spirit, self-control, or could it be that there's another spirit that's giving him this anointing? We'll let you be the judge. Under the anointing, not one word falls to the ground. Amen. Amen. Now, when you hear me speak the blessing, claim it. Because under the anointing, it's going to happen. Amen. Do you know, saints, under the, please understand this. You're looking at me now, wearing, sitting here, wearing this suit and all this stuff. I am not the same man under the anointing as I am now. True. I mean, I, I, it, believe me when I tell you, I do not even identify with the Benin you see on television. Amen. Because it's a different man. Uh, it's not me. My children are afraid of me under the anointing. What they do not know is I'm afraid of the anointing too. But the fruit of the Spirit is love, 
joy, peace, long-suffering, gentleness, goodness, faith, meekness, temperance, temperances, self-control. Let's listen to him talk about his anointing again and see whether or not he's talking about the Holy Spirit, the spirit of self-control, or a spirit that makes him out of control. I've tried to understand it, why people fall. I honestly don't know. It happened to me when I was by myself a number of times. And it's like um, where you lose control almost. So Benny Hinn admits this is a spirit. This is a anointing that makes him go out of control. But again, we're testing the spirits to see whether or not they be of God. I'm not judging the man. He's already been judged. What we're going to do is we're going to present to you how this man acts under this anointing. And you tell me, you tell yourself, if this is the Spirit of God or if this is another spirit at work. What I want you to do is I want you to think, turn your brains on, and ask yourself, would the Spirit of God make a man prophesy falsely? We need to test the spirits to see if they be of God. I'm going to play for you a series of prophecies made by Benny Hinn, and I simply want you to ask two questions. And we're going to ask these questions based on the Word of God. Open up your King James Bible to Deuteronomy chapter 18, verse 20. We're going to find out the difference between a true prophet and a false prophet based on the word of God. Here we go, verse 20. But the prophet which shall presume to speak a word in my name, which I have not commanded him to speak, nor that shall speak in the name of other gods, even that prophet shall die. And if thou say in thine heart, How shall we know the word which the Lord hath not spoken? When a prophet speaketh in the name of the Lord, if the thing follow not, nor come to pass, that is the thing which the Lord hath not spoken. But the prophet has spoken it presumptuously. Thou shalt not be afraid of him. The Bible test of a false prophet, the Bible test of a true prophet, is what they say when they prophesy. Number one, do they claim to speak in the name of the Lord? Number two, does what they say come to pass? So I'm going to play for you a series of prophecies made by Benny Hinn, and you just simply ask, number one, does he claim to speak in the name of the Lord? And number two, did the prophecy come to pass? This first prophecy was made New Year's Eve, 1989, by Benny Hinn. The Spirit tells me Fidel Castro will die in the morning. Oh my. Some will try to kill him and they will not succeed. But there will come a change in his physical health and he will not stay in power. And Cuba will be visited of God. Okay, check your scorecards. He said Fidel Castro would die in the 90s. At the time of this recording, it's 2006. Fidel Castro was alive and well in Cuba. And this prophecy clearly has failed. Here's another one. The Lord also tells me to tell you in the mid-90s, about 94, 95, no later than that. God will destroy the homosexual community of America. But he will not destroy it with what many minds have thought him to be 
He will destroy it with fire. And many will turn and be saved, and many will rebel and be destroyed. It certainly must have been a Burger King moment uh, that night as he's serving up all these whoppers, but clearly uh, this prophecy didn't come to pass. Uh, as of 2006, neither has the homosexuals been destroyed, but in fact they've been rewarded. Homosexuals, since he made this prophecy, have been elevated to positions of power in various different religious denominations, and the movie Brokeback Mountain became somewhat of a success depicting gay cowboys. Clearly this prophecy is false. But I want you to understand he is saying it is the Lord who's telling him these things. He's saying it's the Spirit of the Lord that's telling him these things. I want to go to one more of his prophecies and I want you to understand there is a whole bunch of them. I can put bunches on here. Okay? But I want to go to one more to let you see just how this man presents his anointing. He does it with emotion. He does it with humor. He knows how to grab the crowd. He knows how to get their attention. And these stories he just seemed to make up right there on the dime under this anointing. Because clearly these prophecies have not come to pass. Let me give you another one that he gave during a fundraiser on Trinity Broadcasting Network. Listen very closely to how many times he gives positive confession that this prophecy will happen, but it doesn't happen. Take a listen. I prophesy we're about to enter the greatest season of harvest since Pentecost. And here's why I say it. I'm watching Israel. I'm watching Bill Clinton, our president, trying to get peace back between the Syrians and the Israelis. You may disagree with his policies, but don't worry about that, brother. God Almighty is fulfilling his plan when the Syrians and the Israelis finally sign that peace treaty. And they have to very soon because Hafez al-Assad is a sick man. He's got to sign that thing before he's gone. Let me, let me explain that. The Arabs, uh, they care much for dignity. They, uh, honor is a big thing there. The man years ago said, this is Hafez al-Assad, he's the president of Syria. He said years ago, he said, before I die, I will get the Golan back. That's his name. That's his honor. Now, all along the way, he's been grooming his son to take over the presidency. If Hafez al-Assad does not get the Golan back, his son will never be president. Because that's his name. That's his position. That's, that it will honor. He is a sick man. He's struggling physically to stay alive. That's why, my brother, he's got to keep his promise. So that's the reason why he met with Ahud Barak, or sent his foreign minister recently, to meet with Ahud Barak in Washington, D.C. Now we have another situation happening in Washington. Our president will be out of office soon. To place his name in a good place in history, he's got to do something right. I, I, I'm, I'm going to say it again. Bill Clinton knows that peace in the Middle East is something very important to his future. 
to his name in history. He does not want the Monica Lewinsky problem to be his number one thing. He wants something better than that to leave behind. You got to understand that. This is his last year in the, in the White House. He's got to do something big. So he stops in Geneva on the way back from Pakistan or India to meet with Hafez al-Assad to say, get this thing going. I only have a few months left. And most likely the, the other guy says, and I have a few months left too. Well, let's do something. Let's get the Israelis to agree to this. But see, they may not know it. It's in the Bible. It's prophetic. The moment Syria signs that peace treaty with Israel, and they have to, they have to because God says they will. The, the, the second they will, they're going to bring in the entire Arab world into the peace camp. They'll bring in all of North Africa, Libya, uh, Turkey, Lebanon, all of them will come in, including, including Iraq. I know this is a shocker to you. The Bible clearly states only three nations will be out of that peace camp. Iran, Ethiopia, and Libya. The only three that will not be a, a part of that peace camp. Which means Iraq will be in. Lebanon, Syria, of course, you know, Jordan is in already. And the Egyptians. So on. But get ready when all of North Africa except Libya. The entire Middle East, right to the Persian Gulf, Kuwait, Bahrain, Oman, Dubai, will all be in that camp. Now, when that peace treaty is signed, three things will happen. I'm prophesying those again, even though you may have heard me say it before. I'm, I'm reminding you in case you forgot. One, the second the Syrians and the Israelis get that pen and sign that peace treaty, take your seatbelts off. Three things are going to happen. That will be the key. And I'll tell you why. Because God said in His Word that whatever happens in Israel affects the world. That is a prophetic sign just like 48, 67, 73 and on. All those years are prophetic years. The second they sign that peace treaty, three things will happen. I have known this for years. I'm praying it will happen this year. Number one. The greatest move of evangelism in world history. More people will get saved in this short period than all since Pentecost. And they'll be getting saved in the high schools, in the colleges, on the streets, in the malls. They'll be getting saved left and right. And they will not have, and they will not have to show up to a service. People, they'll be getting saved in the classroom, in the hallways of schools, in the malls. They'll be getting in theaters. Oh no. It's coming. And I predict by the anointing of God, I feel on me. Every loved one you have prayed for, every husband, every child, every brother, and every sister will be born again when that move hits. I'm telling you, it's going to happen. There is no question about it. The second thing that's going to happen is a move of the miraculous unseen in world history. Now look, while I'm speaking, I know you want to hear all this, get to the phone. You can hear it. You can still hear it with one ear and talk with the other. So get to the phone. Don't just get to the phone. If the lines get busy, well, they're open right now, so get to the phone. The second thing that's going to happen is the, it's a move of the miraculous unseen since Pentecost. Ladies and gentlemen, we're going to see miraculous things happen, creative miracles happen. We're going to see people healed 
in such mass, you're going to see people getting healed in their homes, in their churches, on the streets, in the highways, on the subways, on the buses, in the cars. God's going to heal His people, and He will not wait for the healing evangelists to show up in town. It's going to happen everywhere. That is coming. I heard Catherine Kuhlman prophesy that. And she said that they will come, there will not be one sixth saint in the body of Christ. And my friend, we're about to see it. And I'm waiting for that Syrian man and that Israeli man to sign the Olympias people. And then I want to tell you, get ready. But I'm telling you now to get ready because it's about to happen. Thirdly, the greatest move of prosperity in world history. I know you beg God, get me out of debt. I know you prayed, oh God, I can't handle those bills. Get ready for the Lord to give you a miracle like He did in Egypt back so long ago. The wealth of the sinner is about to be given to every believer. But, my brother, don't expect, don't expect this wealth if you have not been sowing for it. Israel sowed, and that's why God gave it to them. You have got to sow before you can reap. I'm here prophesying. I'm not preaching tonight. I'm prophesying tonight. That in the next few months, the heavens will open, and a mighty harvest season will begin on you, but you've got to get ready for it now. But you see, now we're all waiting for this mighty move that is just next, next door. Weeks away. No more than just a few months away. But we've got to sow for it now. I want you to get to the phone, make a pledge. Now, I want you to understand that that was done during a fundraiser. He went through all this elaborate prophecy, given all kinds of detail, all kinds of positive confessions. He's saying, it will happen. I prophesy to you this will happen. God says it will happen. It's in the Bible, the whole nine yards, and it was all a lie. He did it with feeling. He did it with emotion. He did it with all kinds of of getting the crowd into it, getting the crowd psyched up, and what came out of it. The only thing that came out of it was people ended up sending up a lot of money in the Trinity Broadcasting Network only for nothing to happen. Now, when Benny Hinn came back on Trinity Broadcasting Network, he sat before the Jack of Spades, Paul Crouch. Now, the reason I call him the Jack of Spades is because these word faith guys know that no matter what they do, they can falsely prophesy like you just heard them do. They can lie. They can deceive. They can manipulate. And they'll get away with it if they talk to the jack of spades because he will cover for them every single time. I want you to take a listen to this as Benny Hinn was asked about this prophecy and why it didn't happen. I want you to remember in this prophecy he was saying, God told me this. I prophesy this. God said this. The Bible says, but... When the prophecy failed, all of a sudden, he changes his story. Take a listen. I was expecting Hafez al-Assad, in fact, to make peace with, the, with Israel before his death. And, of course, that didn't happen. Mm -hmm. uh, he came close to it, but then uh, it, just, it was God's plan uh, yeah. for it not to happen, really. Yes. Now, do you hear the jack of spades going, yes, 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 yes. Yes. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I think you're understanding why I call him a jack of spades. 
Now, I don't want people to think I'm sitting here picking on Benny Hinn because that's not the case. I'm not trying to put these men down and destroy anybody's ministries, but I believe that we are dealing with a bona fide, certified, false prophet. You've just heard several of his false prophecies, and I have a whole bunch more. And I tell you what, this message is going a little long, but I hope you guys are understanding why we're letting it run as long as it is. I want to make sure... And the Underground Christian Network wants to make sure that you understand fully what this movement is. Well, what you're about to hear is uh, one that I found to be rather insulting. You see, this anointing that they claim to be under, they claim it's the Holy Spirit, but there's nothing holy about it. They seem to make a mockery of the Word of God. What you're going to hear next is the Guru and the Joker joining forces together and what is known as dueling tongues. What happens is the guru, Kenneth Copeland, calls the joker, Rodney Howard Brown, up to the platform. The guru tells him exactly what his job is. When you come to the platform, you will prophesy. So the joker knows, okay, i got to go up there and i got to come up with some prophecy real quick. But remember, the joker's job is to make people laugh at the expense of God's word. And what you're going to hear is his so-called prophecy is going to be mixed with a bunch of ha-has and hee-hees to get the crowd laughing. And then the guru, Kenneth Copeland, jumps in and starts speaking in tongues. And these two are speaking in tongues back and forth as if they're having some kind of conversation in tongues, patting each other on the back, laughing. It's one of the stupidest things I've ever seen in my life. Yet the crowd is laughing hysterically while they make a mockery of the gifts of the Holy Ghost. Take a listen to this. Rodney, Howard Brown, come here. Hand that to, to Rodney. Stand right up here, Rodney. That's, I don't know why that is, but stand on one of these When you get up here, there'll be a message from the Lord on the heart. I want you to deliver it to come about. No, no, on these steps. Now, just, no, that's enough. Yeah, that's good, right there. He told us to run up this day, and he filled this person with a new wine of the Holy Ghost. Run up the stage and oh, Satan, Manama, Erepa, Erebo, ah, ah, ah. Oh, Corinthians, ah, ah, ah. Oh, Repeat, ah, ah. Oh, Repasianama, to drink, 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 to drink. Oh, Sikaya, we drink, Parombo, Mendebrian, Pediva, Ambrose, to Poet, and everything. Yeah, ah, ah.
Now, this certainly is not the second chapter of Acts style of speaking in tongues, where there is a tongue and an interpretation and an edifying of the body of Jesus Christ. This is making a mockery of the gifts of the Spirit. The Joker has been known for doing this kind of thing. I want you to take a listen to him as he's so-called preaching. Listen as he reads, notice as I say, at the Word of God, while the people laugh hysterically. Take a listen to this. And called off with a Simon, which was surnamed Peter, was not there. While Peter thought on the vision, this Spirit said unto him, Behold, three men seek thee. Arise, therefore, and get thee down, and go with them, doubting nothing, for I have sent them. Then Peter went down to... I hope you all are beginning to see what this so-called anointing that this word faith group has is not the power of God. God would not inspire somebody to go up there on the platform and make fun of his word while the people laugh hysterically at the word of God. There is no edification. There is no building up of God's people. This is all just making a mockery, making the Bible appears to be just a useless piece of paper as these guys are up there making a joke out of it. This ain't the only time he's done that. The Joker is also known for casting a spell known as Mute. For those who've done research into witchcraft and so forth, uh, you're familiar with the spell of Mute, where you can stop a person from being able to speak. And no matter how hard they try, they can't say anything unless you release them from the spell. Well, the Joker, Rodney Howard Brown, is known for casting that kind of a spell on ministers who disapprove of what he does. But in this particular instance, Mute comes back to haunt the Joker. He gets up to make a mockery of the Word of God, and suddenly he loses his ability to speak while the crowd is hysterically laughing at him. Take a listen to this. Along this line, we see in the book of Ezekiel chapter 8 and verse 1, it came to pass in the sixth year in the sixth month, in the fifth day of the month, as I sat in my house, and the
what I was trying to say. <laughs> now, if, if you've never had that happen to you, it, it's real. That doesn't happen to me often. But it is the power of God come on you. I saw all the words. I knew what I wanted to say. But you just can't say it. It's almost like you're just in dull. These are just some of the examples of this word faith movement and what it is and what it does, making a mockery of the word of God. But this mockery of the word of God is not limited to the joker. There's another character I've heard a while back about something called the Toronto Blessing and I had gotten some uh, video from this Toronto Blessing and one thing I can certainly say is that I was not blessed by what I heard or saw. I want you to take a few moments to take a listen to this man by the name of John Scotland who claims to be under the power of the Holy Ghost demonstrating the same kind of power as the Joker making people laugh at the expense of God's Word, and they're claiming that this is the Holy Ghost. Now, this Toronto blessing, so-called, had people mooing like cows, waving their arms like birds, uh, rolling on the floors. Uh, I mean, it's absolutely out of control, and this man is going to be a manifestation of those. Ask yourself, if a person like this was to get up in the pulpit of your church, how long would it be before you made him sit down? Take a listen to John Scotland of the Toronto Blessing. Okay, now, before we take off, you know, before we go surfing, let's get the reading done. Luke! Luke! <laughs> Chapter two. I tell you what, let's look at Chapter one. Mm. Settle down now, please, ladies and gentlemen. Luke chapter one and verse five. Let's go back to the reading. 
Luke chapter 1, verse, verse, verse. For those of you having difficulty with that manifestation, like myself, that's a wake-up call. Zacharias was in the sanctuary when SUDDENLY Zacharias was a member of the division of the temple service one day as Zacharias was going about his work in the temple, verse 10, praying, praying, For I have come to tell you that God has heard your prayer. Whoa. Whoa. Now settle down, ladies and gentlemen, settle down. I, you know, I, I, I've been going through different stages of drunkenness, and the stage I'm at at the moment is slouching. I've gone through the hiccup stage. I've gone through the phase of heckling the preachers. <clears throat> I am a sign and a wonder. Well, that's just an example, as you've heard various points in this man's so-called sermon, making a mockery of the Word of God, animal noises, uh, things that are just completely inappropriate for a church service. And the crowd, the audience, just going nuts and bonkers and laughing. And where's the edification? And this is one of the movements that supposedly started it all, the Toronto Blessing. 
The question is, what is this anointing that these people have that makes them do these things and then turn around and say, it's the Holy Ghost making them do these things? I think as you're beginning to hear these things, you're beginning to understand this is not the Holy Spirit of God. This is another spirit altogether that these people are operating under. This anointing is not reserved for the men. The women get this anointing too. But before I play this clip, I'm going to have to ask that if you have young children, that you remove them from the room because you don't want them repeating what you're about to hear. What you're about to hear is an audio of Benny Hinn's wife teaching under this so-called anointing. I want to set the stage so you can understand what's happening. She's on the platform. She's pacing back and forth like a tiger in a cage. She's going faster and faster as she continues to present this message. There are men standing behind her, but they do nothing as she says these things but laugh and clap. When she gets finished, she just collapses there on the stage, supposedly under the power of this anointing. But as you hear this, you need to ask yourself, is this really the Holy Spirit making her say this, or is there another spirit at work? Take a listen to Benny Hen's wife. You know what? My engine's revving to go. It's revving up. How about yours? And if it's not, you know what? If your engine is not revving up, you know what you need? You need a Holy Ghost enema right up your rear end. Hey, I've never seen this side of you. Let me tell you something. Whoa. When you allow the Spirit of God and you don't worry about man's opinion, because you know what? It's what God cares. It's what He thinks. Be God pleasers. Don't be people pleasers. Because if you're a people pleaser, you're a butt kisser. If you're a people pleaser, you're a butt kisser. And there's no other word for it. I mean, let me Hey, you know what? I think that English sitting by those English down here. Hey, I'm English too. I think that English sense of humor because we tend to see things a little bit more comical than most people. But you know, like I said, you know, we have no no more time. I said to Wendy, we have no more time. Wendy, let me tell you something. You have no more time to even worry about your stinking high heels because you know what? We can't keep up with what God's doing. He's moving quickly. You better take them off. Take them off. And get them off. And get your combat boots on. Because he's revving. It's revving up. It's revving up. Run with the crowd. Run with the crowd. Run with the crowd. Now, for those of you interested, the video of what you just heard is available online for anybody who wants to see it. This became a rather popular clip. Just go to a search engine and type in Benny Hinn's wife, and it'll pop up there for you. And uh, download it to your hard drive just in case uh, they decide someday to take it off. You'll have evidence that it actually did happen. 
I think you're beginning to see what I'm talking about. There's a lot about this word faith movement that you don't see when you turn on your Christian cable station or your Christian radio station. By the time it reaches your television or your radio, things have been sanitized and cleaned up, and they don't let you see the real side of this movement. But that's what you're getting right here. What these people are teaching, the kind of anointing these people are under, the things that they say under these anointings, let me touch on the anointing just a little bit further. Benny Hinn is one of the biggest names in this movement, and I want you to hear right from his own mouth where he says he gets his anointing from. He believes that he is the heir apparent of an anointing from a woman by the name of Catherine Kuhlman. I want you to take a listen to this next audio as he brags about the fact that he's one of the few people in the world that has a key to her grave. That's correct. You see, he talks about going to the cemetery to where she's buried and where another woman is buried named Amy Semple McPherson, and he claims that the anointing lingers at their grave, and when he's there, he claims to hear from God and gets an anointing. Just take a listen. The anointing lingers. One of the strangest experiences I had a few years ago visiting Amy's tomb in California. This Thursday I'm on TBN. Friday I'm going to go and visit Catherine Kuhlman's tomb. It's close by Amy's in Forest Lawn Cemetery. I've been there once already. Every so often I like to go and pay my respects because this great woman of God has touched my life. And the grave uh, where she's buried is closed. They built walls around it. You can't get in without a key. And I'm one of the very few people who can get in. But I'll never forget when I saw Amy's tomb. It's a incredibly dramatic. She was such a lady that her tomb has seven foot angels bowing on each side of the, the, her tomb with a gold chain around it. As, as Incredible as it is that someone would die with angels bowing on each side of her grave, I felt a terrific anointing when I was there. I actually, I, I hear this, I trembled when I visited Amy's tomb. I was shaking all over, God's spark came all over me. The man with me and I was shaking. Norm, who worked with, with Miss Cohen for years, took me there. And Norm and I were trembling under the power of God. I said, dear God, I said, I feel the anointing. I began to weep. And on another occasion, Benny Hinn, once again talking about his journeys to the cemetery to visit the tombs, he makes this statement live in front of his congregation. The Lord spoke to me this morning. If I was standing in the cemetery, well, the Lord said, I'm in Christ. So he says the Lord spoke to him while he was standing in that cemetery and told him, I'm increasing your anointing. So now you're understanding where he gets his power from. Do you really believe this is the power of the Holy Ghost when you have to go to a cemetery to get it? I think you need to really evaluate what this movement is and where it gets its power from. Would the Holy Spirit make a man falsely prophesy? Would the Holy Spirit make men make a mockery of the Word of God? 
would the Holy Spirit make women do the things that you've heard? And there's more. How many times have you heard Benny Hinn at one of his crusades tell people they've been healed? A lot of times, haven't you? But now you're going to get the rest of the story. Benny Hinn was interviewed by one of the news organizations, and this is what he had to say. Now, I want you to think back for a moment. When Bill Clinton was president, and he got caught with the intern, and rather than confessing that he was wrong, he decided to try to cover it up. And some of you may remember, he got on the television in front of his buddies in the news media and pounded on the table and said, I did not have sexual relations with that woman. Remember that? I want you to listen very closely to Benny Hinn doing the exact same thing when he is questioned about whether or not these healings are real or fake. I do not say to the individual, you're healed. They're telling me they've been healed. So we're not the ones claiming they've been healed. They're the ones claiming they've been healed. What you're going to see is that Benny Hinn has a habit of changing his story whenever he gets caught doing something wrong. Now, has Benny Hinn ever claimed that people have been healed? Well, remember, he says under the anointing he's not even in control. So clearly, this can't be the Holy Spirit. There's something else that takes control of him, it appears. So he doesn't remember, I guess, saying these things. I believe, Fergus, that you are healed by the power of God. The disease, the lady, has just died and you will live. The Lord is you. And there's tons and tons of more. Some of you who've been to Benny Hinn's shows knows it all the time. He stands up there and says, somebody's been healed of AIDS. Somebody's been healed of a blood disease. Somebody's been healed of a brain tumor. Somebody's been healed of this. Somebody's been healed of that. You'll notice he never says, somebody's coming with one leg and you'll leave with two, or somebody's coming with one arm and you'll leave with two. It's always something like AIDS or a blood disease or something you can't see with the naked eye. And here's some more from a video called The Spirit of Truth and the Spirit of Error. I want you to hear about one of the ladies who was in one of his crusades who ended up getting killed. So you see about these slaying in the spirit episodes that he does where he knocks people over, knocks rows and rows of people over without ever touching them. Well, what ended up happening in this particular case, I think you'll find very interesting. Take a listen from the Spirit of Truth and the Spirit of Error video. I think of the story of Ella Pumar, a woman who was crushed by somebody who was supposedly slain in spirit by Denny Hinn. Now, most of the slain in the spirit practice you see today has no agreement whatsoever with the scripture when that phenomenon happens. I myself am a Pentecostal, moderately speaking. But you know, any time in the Bible where people were slain in the spirit, they always went forward. The only time they ever went backward was when they came to arrest Jesus and it was a judgment. Yet at one of Betty Hinn's meetings, not only did someone fall backward, but they fell onto Ella Fopard, an elderly woman who was crushed and killed. Benny Hinn settled out of court. We have documentary evidence, interviews with family members of people pronounced healed in the name of Jesus by Benny Hinn, who are now dead. Not only has he pronounced people healed who are now dead, but Ella Fopard would be alive if she had not gone to Benny Hinn to be healed. She is dead because of one of his meetings. 
So I'd like to remind you, the next time you go to a Benny Hinn show or you see it on television and you see him slaying people in the spirit in mass quantities, you need to ask yourself, how many people out there just got hurt? A lot of people end up getting hurt when he does that, but it's never reported on Trinity Broadcasting, and it's never reported on the cable networks or on your radio programs. It's very important that you understand what's going on. He's using occult power. You heard where he gets his anointing from. I don't see God going to a cemetery to meet someone to give them an anointing. Okay, Many instances this man has had where he claims the dead is speaking to him, Catherine Kuhlman speaking to him, this person speaking to him, angels appearing to him, all these kinds of things. How can you believe what this man says when he has a history of making up a story and then changing the story to the opposite later on and then going back again, such as his statement on the Trinity? Some of you may be familiar with this. Some of you may not. Take a listen to Benny Hinn and what he has to say about the Holy Trinity. God the Father, ladies and gentlemen, is a person and he is a triune being by himself, separate from the Son and the Holy Ghost. So what did you say? See, God the Father is a person. God the Son is a person, God the Holy Ghost is a person, but each one of them is a triune being by himself. If I can shock you, and maybe I should, there's nine of them. What did you say? Let me explain. God the Father, ladies and gentlemen, is a person with his own personal spirit, with his own personal soul, and his own personal spirit body. You say, I never heard that. Well, you think you're in the search for the things you heard for the last 50 years? Now, you've just heard him clearly say that there's nine in the Trinity. He's brought on Trinity Broadcasting Network to stand or sit before the Jack of Spades, Paul Crouch. So you got the Mystic Wizard and the Jack of Spades. Now remember, the Jack of Spades is the cover man. When these men do wrong, the Jack of Spades will tend to cover for them every single time. This teaching that there is nine in the Trinity is unscriptural and heresy. But is the Jack of Spades going to call them on it? Take a listen as Benny Hinn tries to sidestep the issue and listen to the Jack of Spades cover for him by saying, hmm, I wonder where they came up with that charge from. Let's talk a little bit about theology now. Uh, these are issues that uh, I consider to be up for debate, discussion, uh, within the broad spectrum of the body of Christ. You don't have total agreement on, uh, for example, the Trinity. Uh, there is a group, the Jesus only group, or the oneness group, that believes that there's only one, you know, person that... Anyway, we won't get into that deeply into the doctrinal aspect, but you have been 
uh, attacked on some statements that you have made concerning the Trinity and the members of the Godhead. How many are there in the Godhead? Three. Three. Simply three. Not nine. <laughs> Where did that silly charge come from? David said something about this. This thing is almost became comical. Paul, here's what I believe. God the Father, God the Son, and God the Holy Ghost. Three separate individuals. One in essence, one in work, and now if each one of them possesses his own spirit body. That's what I believe. If you don't like it. So now you're seeing how it works. When these ministers, so-called, goes out there and teaches something that is clearly not scriptural, they go before the jack of spades, they know the jack of spades will cover for them, and they go right back out teaching the old same old thing. It's one of the weirdest things, but this is how their machine works. It's such a well-oiled machine that it's downright slippery. Let me give you one more. Benny Hinn claimed that at one of his crusades, something absolutely amazing happened. But then, when he was brought before an interview, before the news media, all of a sudden, his story changed again. Take a listen. I was in Ghana recently. Pollution one night, they brought a man. And this man was put uh, uh, on the platform, and he was dead. The man was dead. And uh, uh, it was a very scary thing because nobody told me he was dead. So you didn't know he was dead? I did not know he was dead. Oh, my, oh, my. So what happened? What happened is while I was ministering, you know, I was praying for the, for the sick. Yeah. And uh, I was looking back and saying, what's happening, what's happening? And they tell me, well, she was healed of this, she was healed of that. Well, the reason I did not know he was dead because after the day he fainted. Mm -hmm. Now, I saw his body being picked up, you know, from hand to hand and they put him on the stage. Mm -hmm. but, but the people knew he was dead because of what he was wearing. Oh, and you had no idea? No, I mean, no, nobody told me that the dead were what they, they had on him. Yeah. And I remember him wearing like a very pale-looking garment, you know, very yeah. gray, pale-looking thing. Mm -hmm. And and he was turned down after maybe he had fainted. Mm -hmm. And then suddenly the crowd became very restless. And I was praying, I remember praying with a lady without parties, and I was asking her to move her arms up and down, and suddenly the place went, the people went, went, went wild, almost out of control. And I thought, but it's only arthritis, you know, because I thought it was very busy and I got them all going. Mm -hmm. But what I did not know is behind my back, the man was getting up and moving. Oh, my, oh, my. Yeah, I was in Ghana just recently. We had half a million people show up, and a man was raised from the dead on the platform. That's a fact, people. Okay, before I play his interview with the news reporter, I want you to listen again. What did he just say? He claimed that a crusade... He described the guy's clothes. He described the, the, the color of the guy's clothes. He goes into all this detail about what happened, uh, who was praying for, that it was a woman he was praying for, what ailments she had, all these things. He spells it all out. On another instance, he's talking before two uh, guys from Africa, and he's once again, uh, there's, there's a resurrection at one of my crusades, and that's a fact. He said it's a fact. Right? Take a listen to his interview with the news reporter. Do you literally believe that someone has been resurrected on the program? Oh, John, I would not limit God. Uh, 
God can't raise the dead. Absolutely. I have not seen it. In that one case, we did hear about it. So there you see it. You see how the game is played. On the one hand, he'll say it happened. He goes into all this detail. All the while, he's making the whole thing up. You heard it earlier. During his prophecy, this great big elaborate prophecy that he gave, and the prophecy didn't come to pass. This time, he's making up stories again. And he makes up stories again. How many times on the platform has he told people they were healed and they weren't healed? It looks good on TV, doesn't it? Oh, it looks real good on TV. You've been healed. And it hits you with the occult power and knocks you around. And whoa, and the people are going crazy. Everything looks great. Uh-huh. Then the people go home and die of the thing they were supposed to be healed of. I think we as Christians need to use discernment about this group. If you're asking whether I believe God can heal, I certainly do because I've been healed myself. But I didn't have to go to a faith healer to do it. The Bible gives you the way to be healed. If a man is sick, let him go before the elders of the church. Let him anoint his head with oil. Let him pray the prayer. There you go. He didn't say, if you're sick, put your money in the bucket, hope you can make it on the stage so that the faith healer can touch you and slay you in the spirit. It's a whole different thing these guys are presenting. It's not scriptural. It's not biblical. It's not of God. It's bringing in all this weird occultic doctrine into the church under the name of holy this, holy laughter, slain in the spirit, glued to the floor in the spirit, these weird movements. We need to use discernment, my brothers and sisters. I don't care how glamorous it looks on television. You're getting a look behind the scenes to see what's really going on. For the people who come up on the stage and he proclaims them healed of this, healed of that, healed of cancer, healed of AIDS, how does he know? Has he seen a blood test? An interviewer asked him that, and it's very interesting, the answer that he gives. I want you to take a listen to Benny Hinn as he's being questioned about whether these so-called healings that we're seeing happening on his program every day, listen as he questions Benny Hinn about some people that he claimed was healed of AIDS. You put them on television, have you ever seen a blood test? I do know that there are individuals. Have you ever seen a blood test? No. Who has the AIDS? Burn every bit of it. Burn every bit of it in Jesus' name. We check it the best we know how it really you don't, you don't check it at all, Pastor. There's only one way to tell if somebody has AIDS. Oh, they have to go back to the, to the doctor and check it. And you haven't seen a single blood test. So how well can you I can't answer that. So next Saturday night, who are they in bed with? Thinking they don't have AIDS, they can't reinfect anybody else. Have you done those people they sleep with any good? I have given my life to help people. I'm not perfect. She was still sure x-rays would show no cancer. But we were there when she went for further tests. She has not been healed. Her kind of terminal cancer has never been known to just disappear. You say, I'm told, told by my staff, this lady has this is gone. But there's no way that that's true. Right. Well, not with all of them. Not with most of them. No. Not with most of them. Not with most of them. That lady Benny is calling down from the choir didn't call her doctor either. Before she went home and put away her heart medicine, 
because Benny told her God had healed her. You, you don't plan to take it? Uh, no. No, I've got a healing from the Lord. No. Look, look, look. It's not my job to call their doctor. Of the healing sound incredible, and sometimes nobody in a place seems more stunned than Pastor Benny. But no matter how incredible the cure, he will use them on his TV show, This Is Your Day, without even checking back with the individual for verification. Anybody could make up anything. Someday somebody's going to do that. And what are you going to say then? I don't know. I can't tell you now. <laughs> it doesn't happen yet. Oh, yes, it has. Remember that woman supposedly cured of polio? Pastor Benny knows it made for a great episode of his TV show. He knows it probably helped squeeze even bigger donations from his flock. But there's something he doesn't know. Eddie, all I know is, Pastor, let me say something. Go ahead. That woman works for us. woman doesn't have polio, never did. Then why did she say she had? We put her up there to see if he could tell her story was not true. To see if it would matter. To see if he would ever check. And you sat right here and told me a few moments ago, we never put him on television unless we checked. You never called that woman. You never called her doctor. You did no checking whatsoever. Well, she was the one we missed. And speaking of missed, who missed the truth about this woman who claimed to be born profoundly deaf, unable to hear a word? And now you can hear me. Yes. There was plenty of time to thoroughly check her story before publishing his latest book, but apparently nobody bothered. In your book, the last chapter, it says Candace Brousseau was born profoundly deaf in both ears. Correct. But Candy's doctor, Howard House, he's treated her more than 35 years, and he knows Benny's claim in the book is simply not true. She was born with a very severe hearing loss. She was not born deaf. Lord, if people attack this book, let's tell more. If there's a mistake, he promises to correct it in the next printing. So, Benny, is it faith or is it fraud? I'm still a human being like you. I made many mistakes, big ones. I will still make mistakes, but I really want to do better. I really want to. You are seeing an acting performance like you have never seen, folks. I tell you, there you go. I'm sure some of this comes as a surprise to many of you. Many of you have never known about a lot of the back, behind-the-scenes things that are going on with the Word Faith Movement and the Benny Hinn Show and everything. We're going to do one more news program to let you hear one more behind-the-scenes view of what happens there, and then we're going to move on to the last and final section on how they're able to keep this multi-billion dollar machine running. You'll want to know about the intimidation factor that they use to keep people quiet. But before that, we're going to play this news program. Take a listen. A leap of faith that could be deadly. A sea of supporters pays to be healed by Pastor Benny Hinn. But now critics say that some people have been hurt, not healed by the televangelist touch. In tonight's News Extra investigation, Pam Zeckman exposes how a faith healer could be hurting his own flock. This is your break. From the hand of Pastor Benny Hinn, and believers are overcome by the presence of the Lord. So strong is the feeling, they fall even if he just blows into the microphone. It's known as slaying in the spirit. 
Yin prefers to call it falling under the power of God. His critics, even those who believe in faith healing, say it's not the power of God, but the power of suggestion that makes people swoon. The people are worked up into a frenzy. They know what's expected of them, and they do it. I think it is theatrical, and I think it is a gimmick. And, they say, it's dangerous. I believe it's irresponsible. People are hurt all the time, and it's, it's just never reported. But one death has been reported. An 85-year-old woman died of complications from a broken hip after a man fell on top of her at a crusade. He settled a $15 million lawsuit with her family for an undisclosed amount. That hasn't stopped him from mass slayings like this one we saw at a crusade in Minneapolis. This little girl suffered a sprained ankle, sprained knee, and torn ligaments in a crush of falling bodies. I started to cry and I yelled. If I know anyone was injured, I will go personally and pray for them. Kim claims very few people have been hurt over the years. He defends the practice of slaying in the spirit as something God does through him, and he says it's no act. People don't fall because it's, it's a part of suggestion, and you know. Well, we are dealing with a greater power than electricity. That's God's power. But it's the power of television that's bringing Benny Hinn to millions of believers every day. His growing influence troubles some Christian watchdog groups. They say some of his teachings and public statements violate Christian principles. You know, I've looked for one verse in the Bible. I just can't seem to find it. One verse that said, if you don't like him, kill him. I really wish I could find it. That was Hinn's response to critics during a 1990 telethon. Now he takes it back. It was a dumb thing to say. It was a joke, but it was a dumb, dumb thing to say. And he's retracted teachings he once claimed were revelations from God after his critics denounced them as having no basis in the Bible. Every preacher I know will say or has said things that they regret. And I've had my share of things I've said that were stupid. When you say, I'm a Christian, you're saying, I am Messiah in Hebrew. I'm a little Messiah walking on earth, in other words. Phony faith healing, dangerous theatrical stunts, questionable theology. All of these concern the Christian critics of Benny Hinn. Worst of all, they say, is the damage done to the faith of his followers. Well, spiritually, the danger is is that he's being led astray and that he's leading thousands astray from truth. The danger is that people are being deceived in the name of God. Pam Zekman, Channel 2 News. Listen as the mystic wizard and the jack of spades are sitting back laughing as Benny Hinn tells a story of how he entertained himself by continually slaying someone in the spirit, and he admitted that he was demonstrating this power while in the flesh not under the anointing. Listen to this. I, I prayed for this guy, and he had a wig on. <laughs> and, and, okay, that's uh, enough. That's no, enough. Wait, wait. That's <laughs> enough. You're getting too I'm close sorry. to home. No, go ahead. I want to hear it. Please. And, and when he hit the floor, I was in a, in a church called Islington Evangel Center in Toronto. And the way the auditorium is, it goes up. So the people really couldn't see what was happening on the floor, except just a few on the front row area. When that man he, uh, fell, his wig went poof, up like that. And he, he reached for it with both arms and put it back on his head while on the floor. I see. So he came up and I just wanted to have a little fun, he said. So I laid hands on him again and wham, he goes down and there goes the wig. And there he went, there he went reaching for it. 
back on his head. And every time he did that, the wig was just a little, you know, a little uh, out of shape. So we need pictures of this one. Uh, third time, Pilot has him for a... There he goes. And the thing... Now, about the fifth or so time, and I was having, I was having a great time praying for him. This was in the spirit. Of this was in the flesh. Listen to the arrogance of the guru, Kenneth Copeland, as he admits that he's told people they were healed when they wasn't. I've had people die, and me standing there saying, bless God, you ain't going to die. And they did anyway. And I'm glad I stood. I'm glad I stood. I'm glad I stood. But I ain't never stood for, stood for anything in my own life that didn't come to pass. I can only use my face just so far with you. So next time you turn on the shows, not just his, but various others, always question, are these things really happening? Or is it done for the cameras? A couple of videos I can prefer for you if you want to check into this. The most effective one I've seen is called The Many Faces of Benny Hen. You can find it somewhere online. It's three DVDs over six hours of one news program after another, after another, after another, after another, exposing what the Word Faith Movement, and Benny Hinn in particular, has been doing around the world. Another video I can recommend is called The Spirit of Truth or The Spirit of Error, featuring the commentary of Jacob Prash, Mike Oppenheimer, and Sandy Simpson. This is a great DVD which goes into these things. They have a lot of audio and video on there. That's a very great uh, video to have. You can get a hold of Paul Creek Ministries, Dr. Joseph Chambers. I've had the opportunity to speak with him on the telephone and touch base with him. He has a couple of great videos out there on the true anointing versus the false anointing, and a lot of them on Benny Hinn and the Word Faith Movement. Get a hold of him, Dr. Joseph Chambers, another great video. Another one is called The Signs and Wonders Movement Exposed. Great DVD also that you may want to get. Another one you'd want to get is from MacGregorMinistries.org. Laurie and Keith McGregor up in Canada. They put together a great video called Counterfeit Christians. You can hear the audio from it at the UndergroundChristianNetwork.com. Awesome stuff as they cover not only the word faith movement, but a series of other cults from Jehovah's Witnesses, Mormons, uh, Seventh-day Adventist, Christian Science. There's quite a few that they cover on their video. So there's plenty out there if you really want to know. You can go to the undergroundchristiannetwork.com. There's plenty of audios there for you to listen to. And I would recommend you take this message, download it or whatever, just in case it's taken off because the Word Faith Movement has a way of using intimidation. They have a way of using threats to try to stop people from exposing what they're doing. And in this section of this message, the Joker, the Guru, and the Jack of Spades, you're going to hear what happens when you expose these men. They have no fear whatsoever in threatening to kill people who expose what they do. And we present to you the Intimidation Factor and the Word Faith Movement. Now, the Word Faith Movement is a well-oiled machine, as I mentioned earlier. It's so well-oiled that it's downright slippery, as I mentioned before. 
So in order to keep this machine running, when you have men and women in there saying some really strange things, doing very strange things, bringing into Christianity things that don't belong, you're going to need people to cover for you. That's where the jack of spades comes in. So here you're going to be hearing the guru, the jack of spades, and the mystic wizard joining forces together at their main hub known as Trinity Broadcasting. They know that when they get caught doing something wrong, they can go to the jack of spades and he will cover for them. So I want you to take a listen because they've gotten a little upset because videos have come out exposing what they're doing. Audios have come out exposing what they're doing. And in this particular one, there's two books out there, if you want to read a bit about what's going on in the Word Faith Movement. One is called The Seduction of Christianity. The other is called Christianity in Crisis. And when these books came out, they must have started having a financial impact on Trinity Broadcasting Network and these men's ministries. So they decided what they would do is they had to duck and cover they had to go and find some way to discredit the people who are exposing what they're doing. So they go to the Jack of Spades, they join forces with the Jack of Spades, which isn't really hard for them to do because they're all on the same page, and he helps them to attack the people. Who We're going to start off with the Mystic Wizard. Live at one of his concerts, one of his crusades, He's angry about the people that have been exposing him. So Benny Hinn decides that he would not only threaten the people who are exposing what he's doing, but he will also threaten their children. Take a listen to this. I want you to note, he says, if you love your children, you'll stop attacking Benny Hinn. What is he trying to say? What kind of intimidation is that that he's using? And he's claiming he's speaking under the anointing. But this is not the only time he's threatened to do harm to people who've exposed what he's doing. Take a listen to this. There's a group here in California that thinks they are the judgment seat of Christ. Dear God in heaven, I wish I could just... They call it the ministry of my foot. You know, I've looked for one verse in the Bible. I just can't seem to find it. One verse that said, if you don't like him, kill him. I really wish I could find it. You think, frankly. That's the way I think about it. I'm sorry. I'm not exactly the normal kind of guy, you know. I'm from Israel. Sometimes I wish God would give me a Holy Ghost machine gun. I'll blow your head off. 
Yes, doesn't sound very spiritual to me. I don't know about you. Uh, mainly when you heard the things you've just heard, rightfully so that people would stand up and oppose what these people are doing. Nonetheless, the threats keep right on coming. Any person who at one time was used of God or is used today, don't touch him. You will pay for it. And may I even add, your children will pay for it. And hear this. No matter how sinful the man, no matter how evil in your eyes he is, don't touch him. You are playing with fire. Let me say something else too, and I really don't care if you like this or not. You have attacked me, your children will pay for it. If you don't like it, it honestly don't matter with me. I'm going to warn every Christian magazine, every man, every, every individual who stands behind a pulpit and attacking people by name, you are in danger, and you better repent. As if these threats aren't enough, he decides to take it before a live audience at one of his crusades. And what he does is he begins doing his thing, knocking people over, waving his hand and knocking people over. You're going to hear firsthand what happens to him under this anointing when he's in front of masses of people. Listen to his voice. Listen closely to the sound of his voice. Listen to the growling. Listen to the hissing. And ask yourself, is this really the power of the Holy Spirit that he is emitting that's knocking these people down? You're going to hear him tell the choir to take hands, to hold each other's hand, and he's going to turn toward the choir with his hand outstretched, and he's going to emit a psychic wave that's going to knock down, I counted, about 35 rows of people three aisles over, just knocking them down like dominoes. He never touched them. Then, later on that very same night, he goes over to one of these guys named Steve. This guy, Steve, is so overwhelmed, he can hardly stand up straight, and he commands Steve to prophesy. Now, remember, we're dealing with the mystic wizard here. He has the power to emit forces from his hands. He goes over to Steve, who can barely stand up because these forces are so strong up there, and he touches him and begins to speak in tongues over Steve. And next thing you know, Steve is speaking in tongues, and then he tells him to interpret the tongues. But before he does, Steve goes over and grabs hands with the jack of spades. At which point, Benny Hen tells Steve, turn toward the crowd and prophesy. And of course... Steve is going to prophesy cursing against those who have stood against Benny Hinn. Very well orchestrated, very well done, and sadly, a lot of people out there may have gotten hurt in the fall of bodies as he was emitting all these psychic waves and knocking people down. Take a listen. <laughs> Fire! Pick him up! Fire! 
taste of what happens when you expose this movement. They go on the attack big time with threats after threats after threats, but they're not done. There's a good guy who's on our side, Dr. Joseph Chambers, who came out with a video called, Is Benny Hinn Possessed of Devils? I would like to play a bit of that because I think he says it much better than I could say it right now, and that he's going to follow it up with uh, the rest of the audio from this Benny Hen Crusade, where Benny decides to jump in himself and curse those 
who have exposed him again with that strange voice that speaks through him when he comes under this anointing. Just take a listen to the good guy, Dr. Joseph Chambers, as he explains what's going on here. Now this is one of the most important parts of this video that you will see. Benny Hinn is extremely upset at his enemies. He's been preparing all of them for some minutes now on the video. You've only saw excerpts of it. But he's been preparing them for this cursing of his enemies. He's been preparing them for him to just really, really scare the socks off of anybody that would unknowingly say something or in any way be contrary or speak contrary to Benny Hinn. So he curses his enemies. He actually says, I, I curse my enemies, or those who are enemies of this program. Now, th this is strange, because you and I know there's no biblical basis for this. There's no biblical foundation for this. He, he's very upset. Now, people who maybe don't know would think, man, I must not open my mouth. What will happen to me? At the same time, he blesses those who agree with him, and those who support him, and those who give him his allegiance. Now, all of this is strange. Now, please notice the voice, the guttural voice. Benny Hinn changes his whole voice. He goes into a guttural voice. He says in one place, in this video, I don't think we have this for, to be a part that you will see, but he says that when he's on the stage and he's anointed, that he doesn't even recognize himself. It's very different from how he sees himself, and he hardly knows himself. Now, I thought that very strange. But listen to this guttural voice. You can tell, and I'm convinced, it is a demon spirit. There's a spirit of Satan speaking, a demon spirit, that's proclaiming and declaring judgment against anybody that would disagree with this new wave, false anointing, that is spreading over this nation and spreading over the church world, really. Very scary. I tremble when I listen to this. I tremble for the multitudes of people who are falling hook, line, and sinker into it. Let's go. It's quite about a four-minute little clip. I want you to listen. I want you to hear what he says. I want you to hear how he ends this time when he so-called prophesies and pronounces either judgment or curse or blessing. Listen. Dr. This lady has multiple very serious medical problems. First, she has scleroderma. That's the condition of her skin that makes her skin real tight where she can barely, she can barely bend her fingers. They're so tight. She also has... I'm listening to the master right now. Uh, uh, take the fire on you, doctor. Whatever sickness is there, the demon must bow to the name of the master, Jesus. Jesus. I place a curse on every man and every woman that will stretch his hand against this anointing. I curse that man who dares to speak a word against this ministry. But any man and any woman that raises his or her hand in blessing towards this ministry. I bless that man. 
I bless that home. I bless that family. Any man, any woman, any person that raises his tongue in blessings towards this work, raises his tongue in blessing towards this anointing, raises his tongue in blessing towards this servant of the Lord, I bless them. I bless the work of your hands. I bless your life with this mighty power. I bless your home with divine protection. I bless your children with long life. And I bless you with length of days. I bless you with health and healing. I bless you with prosperity. I bless you with the very presence of Almighty God. I, His servant, bless you. In the name of the one I serve. I bless thy people tonight in Denver. Lift your hand and receive that blessing, people. I rarely ever do what I'm doing now. This is the Holy Ghost on me telling me to do this. I bless you. I bless your homes. Your life. Your future. Your children. May every attack of Satan against you be destroyed. May every plan of hell be destroyed against you. May every plan of God be established. In Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Under this anointing, the words I speak cannot fall to the ground. Under this anointing, everything I say happens. What you're about to hear is a collage, a collection of the threats that were dished out by those who were in the Word Faith movement against those who have been exposing the movement. And uh, some of these you've already heard. Some of these you haven't heard. You'll be hearing from Paul Crouch, the Jack of Spades. You'll be hearing from Benny Hinn. You'll be hearing from Kenneth Copeland. And uh, just take a listen, and, and we'll prepare to end this message. Heretic hunters, these guys who spend their lives straightening us all out doctrinally, they're going to go straight to hell. They're going to absolutely several people that I know have criticized some of them are dead right today in an early grave because of it, and there's more than one of them got cancer. Let me say something else to and I really don't care if you like this or not. You have attacked me, your children will pay for it. I think they're damned and on their way to hell, and I don't think there's any redemption for them. I say to hell with you! I say get out of God's way! Quit blocking God's bridges! For God's going to shoot you if I don't. And I love Copeland. Is my friend. And anybody who is attacking him is attacking the very presence of God. They call it the ministry of my foot. You know, I've looked for one verse in the Bible. I just can't seem to find it. One verse that said, if you don't like him, kill him. I really wish I could find it. 
You stink, frankly. That's the way I think about it. I'm sorry. I'm not exactly the normal kind of guy, you know. I'm from Israel. Sometimes I wish God would give me a Holy Ghost machine gun. I'll blow your head off. Now, very quickly, let's cover some of the doctrines that this group teaches very quickly. One of the doctrines they teach, which is totally against Scripture, is that Jesus had to be born again in the pit of hell. Here is the guru, Kenneth Copeland. Now listen, from the book of Acts all the way through all of the epistles, all the way through the revelation of John, Jesus is no longer called the only begotten Son of God. He's called the first born from the dead. He's called in the eighth chapter of Romans the first born of many brethren. Jesus was the first man to ever be born from sin to righteousness. He was the pattern of a new race of men to come. Glory to God. And you know what he did? The very first thing that this reborn man did, see, you have to realize that he died. You have to realize that he went into the pit of hell as a mortal man made sin. But he didn't stay there, thank God. He was reborn in the pit of hell. The righteousness of God was made to be sin. He accepted the sin nature of Satan in his own spirit, and at the moment that he did so, he cried, My God, my God, why hast thou forsaken me? You don't know what happened at the cross. Why do you think Moses, upon the instruction of God, raised a serpent upon that pole instead of him? They used to bug me out. I said, why in the world you got to put the snake up there, the sign of Satan? Why did you put a lamb on that pole? The Lord said, because it was the sign of Satan that was hanging on the cross. He said, I accepted in my own spirit spiritual death, and the light was turned off. The spirit of Jesus accepting that sin and making it the big sin, he separated from his God, and in that moment, he's a mortal man, capable of failure, capable of death. Not only that, he's fixing to be ushered into the jaws of hell. And if Satan is capable of overpowering him, there he'll win the universe, and mankind is doomed. Don't get the idea that Jesus was incapable of failure, because if he had been, it would have been illegal. Now remember, the guru got what he learned from Kenneth Hagin. Now listen how these two messages sound the same. God came down to the cool of the day of the Garden of Eden to commune and fellowship with him as he had in the past, and, and he couldn't find him. He called out to him, Adam, where I found He said, I hid myself. Why? Because he had sinned. Because, you see, first, sin separates you from God. Secondly... By sinning, by listening to the devil, he took upon himself the nature of the devil into his spirit being. See, when you're born again, you take upon yourself the, the nature of God. Hallelujah, which is life and peace. But the nature of the devil is hatred and lying. See? Well, Jesus tasted death, spiritual death. For every man. See, sin is more than a physical act. It's, it's a spiritual act. And so, 
He became what we were, that we might become what he is. Praise God. And so therefore, his spirit was separated from God. Why did he need to be begotten or born? Because he became like we were, separated from God. Because he tasted spiritual death for every man. And his spirit, the inner man, went to hell in my place. Can't you see that? Physical death wouldn't remove your sins. He's tasted death for every man. He's talking about tasting spiritual death. Jesus is the first person that was ever born again. Why did his spirit need to be born again? Because it was estranged from God. One of the things that ensnares people is this doctrine that the word faith people teach that Jesus was rich. Therefore, people start striving for riches and end up getting themselves deeper in debt. But here's some of the word faith teachers trying to push this doctrine that Jesus was rich and that if you'd only send them money, you will somehow have this great increase and also listen to how they twist the scriptures to try to present this message that all of us are supposed to be somehow wealthy with big cars and fancy clothes. The whole point is I'm trying to get you to see, to get you out of this malaise of thinking that Jesus and the disciples were poor and then relating that to you thinking that you as a child of God have to follow Jesus. The Bible says that he has left us an example that we should follow his steps. That's the reason why I drive a Rolls Royce. I'm following Jesus' steps. See, there's lots of people who want to harvest just because I've had people say to me, well, Brother John, I'm in such need. Why doesn't God move? Well, God moved on need 2,000 years ago. He's not moving on need now. If he was moving on need today, he'd only move in India. I mean, India would be a hotbed of revival right now if he was just moving in need. I mean, miracles would be coming off the trees in India because there's desperate need in India. But he moves in some of the most affluent neighborhoods right around this place more than he moves in the neediest places. He handled need 2,000 years ago. Today, God moves in faith. When faith in his provision from 2,000 years ago. You see? Now, he didn't just provide for my salvation. He provided for my healing. He that was... Uh, knew no sin, became sin, that I might be righteous. He that knew no sickness, bore my diseases, that I might be well. And he that was rich, became poor, he that, that became poor, that I might be rich. That cross provided a threefold dimension of redemption for me. This is offering week. And what we've been talking about is you, to have that superabundance, you're going to have to realize that your money is seed. But keep this in mind about seed. Seed won't grow in bad ground. And if it does grow, it won't bring much of a harvest. But thank God for the Kenneth Copeland ministry. It's the good ground where 30, 60, 100 fold comes forth. And I'm going to encourage you right at this time to get your seed. Did you get that? Your money. Get your seed ready to put into this wonderful ministry. You just write a letter to Kenneth Copeland. Drop that check in with it. I need to correct myself. Don't drop the check in. Drop the seed in. Your money is seed, remember. Here's what I'm asking you. Tonight, believe God. Believe God and say, God, I believe that you can give me that $1,000 this year. 
It might be several payments that I make, but this year I'm going to put into the gospel as a seed to get me out of debt. I'm going to plant a $1,000 seed. Now, you can plant more, 4000 5000 10000 whatever God says, but I'm feeling in my spirit, and I'm going to just pray a prayer at the end of this session. I'm going to pray a prayer to break the prior debt and to release that $1,000 into your hands. You say, Brother John, can I believe you? Well, the Bible says, believe the prophet, so shall you prosper. Now, child of God, I'm asking you, go to the phones, make the call right now, quickly, Ask the person to write down your pledge, and please consider saying, I can trust God for the $1,000. Child of God, you committed to the bank, you committed to the lending institutions, you committed to the to this, you committed to the salesman that came to the door. You've bought on time and bought on time and made commitments, and it's got you deeper and deeper and deeper in debt. I'm telling you tonight, if you will make a commitment to God in this $1,000 gift, I'm telling you, you watch what will happen. God will put it in your hand. And God will blow you quickly out of debt. Could we hear from you right now? You go to the phone, and we're going to sing some more. Then we're going to come back again, and then we're going to pray the prayer. And if you hadn't called, you, we'll just not be able to have you in the prayer if you hadn't called. So let's get ready to sing now. Steve's going to sing. Satan? Yeah, this is a good one. Satan, you're a liar. All right. If you read the scriptures, you come to find Jesus did have a house. Uh, John 1, 35, 36, 37, right in there, says that uh, they, they, he invited them to come see his house. Uh, foxes have holes and the birds there, the nest have their, uh, the birds there have their nest, the son of man has nowhere to lay his head. It's not a declaration that Jesus didn't have a house. It's simply, if you'll read a few verses above that, it meant that the Samaritans canceled the meeting that he was going to, if you remember the account. And uh, in those days, there wasn't a Holiday Inn on every corner. You didn't just, you know, check into the hotel. If, you, if your advanced men got canceled, then you walked to the next meeting and had to take up there. And it's, it's very clear that he had a house. Uh, uh, the, the Bible states he had a house. Jesus had a nice house, a big house, big enough to have company stay the night with him at the house. You, look, let me show you his house. Go over to, go over to John, the, the first chapter, and I'll show you his house. See, these traditions, they make the Word of God of no effect. They, 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 uh, look with me now. Uh, we're in the 30th, 35th verse here. Uh, we start, yes. John 1, 35. Again the next day after John stood and two of his disciples, and looking upon Jesus as he walked, he saith, Behold the Lamb of God. And the two disciples heard him speak, and they followed Jesus. Then Jesus turned and saw them following, and saith unto them, Mark this, what seek ye? What are you looking for? They said unto him, Rabbi, which is to say, being interpreted master, where dwellest thou? Question. What are you boys looking for? We want to see where you live. Jesus said unto them, Foxes have holes and birds of the air have nests, but the Son of Man had nowhere to lay his head. He said, Come see. Come see. I'll show you where I live. And they came and saw where he dwelt and abode with him that day, for it was about the tenth hour. Now, child of God, that's a house big enough to have company stay the night in. There's his house. I hope you all have enjoyed this message, and I hope you've been able to take in a lot of information. Take this message, spread it to your friends, and let them know what it's all about. For those of you out there who've gotten caught up in the Word Faith Movement, and you realize now that you've been had by these guys and ladies, I want you to know that there is still hope. 
You can come to Jesus Christ. He can forgive you. Ask him to forgive you. He'll do it. He is the only one qualified to do it. These word faith guys can't save your soul. Only Jesus can. I want to give credit to all of those who assisted in putting this message together in the year and a half that it took to put this message together. And these people are Jacob Prock, Mike Oppenheimer, and Sandy Simpson of the Spirit of Truth or the Spirit of Error video. We want to thank Dr. Joseph Chambers of Paw Creek Ministries, Laurie and Keith McGregor of McGregorMinistries.org, Jim Zalonka of Cultivate Ministries, and my good friend over at CSIS Ministries, thank you so much for all the help you've given. We could not have done it without you. For those of you who want this message on CD, it'll take two CDs to do it. Download it to your hard drive and burn it to a CD at the Underground Christian Network.com. You're tuned in with the Underground Christian Network.